Unearthed Memphis, your Memphis history podcast with hosts Alan Compton and Tara Ingram. Hey everyone and welcome back to Unearthed Memphis. I'm Alan. And I'm Tara. And we really hope you enjoyed our last episode about Ernestine and Hazel's. And lucky for all of us, it reopened this past week, so we'll probably venture over there soon to show our support. Yes, I'm and very excited about that. Get a soul burger. A soul burger, yes. Um, fortunately, with the city taking over the vaccine effort, more people are getting their Fauci ouchie, mm-hmm. which I love. <laughs> and the CDC has given the okay for vaccinated people to hang out together. Maybe life will be a bit more normal soon. Hopefully. And uh, for the record, we were both fully vaccinated and had no real issues. Yay! Uh, We had sore arm, a little bit tired the next day, but overall it was pretty easy go of it. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Yeah. And with things opening back up a little more, we hope to be able to spend some time with our friends doing some of our favorite things, eating and drinking. And the next couple of episodes are going to be focused on those things because we love them. We do. And because that's what springtime reminds me of. Being outside as the weather warms up, hanging out with friends, and indulging in deliciousness. Basically patioing. Yes. Yes. Uh, we definitely enjoy that. We've already made one of those outing. Uh, one of those outings as our research for the next story. It was delicious. Research was in quotes there. <laughs> um, uh, we can't yeah. wait to do more research. Yeah, research. We've got more research coming up. Yes. Uh, but this episode is focused on the eating part, uh, which we've done plenty of research on in the past, so we're all good there. Mm-hmm. And since this is, after all, a history podcast, we're going to look at the four oldest eateries in Memphis. We're going to do this from oldest to newest. Yes, and the technical oldest eatery actually kind of shocked me, and it wasn't really even on my radar. Uh, I've not ever eaten in this restaurant, so maybe that's why. And I say technical because it has the earliest opening date, but there was a closure that interrupted the number of years it's actually been operating, so it's not the oldest continually operating eatery. All right, opening in the 1890s, the Bonton Cafe has been operating in some form or fashion in downtown Memphis. And apparently the cafe was originally a saloon in the late 1800s, but was then turned into a restaurant in 1904. Tony Angelos and Charlie Skinner, two cousins who immigrated from Greece, opened the first manifestation of the Bonton Cafe called The Hole in the Wall. And this eatery was located behind the original location of the Peabody Hotel on Monroe. In 1923, the cousins renamed and reopened the Bonton Cafe as it is known today, and apparently Elvis really liked to visit and perform in the basement. And the cousins owned the restaurant for 41 years before selling it in 1945. And now you'll notice on the plaque, which will be posted on the website, you should take a look, uh, it says the hole in the wall opened in 1911. But like any good history-related story uh, retelling, dates are going to be a bit dodgy. Right. Uh, the Bonton Cafe was purchased and reopened in 1950, or 1945, as I've also read, by the Zambellis family. Mike Zambellis, an al- also a Greek immigrant, uh, took over the cafe, and their breakfast and lunch specials have been staples in the downtown community ever since. When Mike passed away in 1998, his son Sam took over the business. Sam kept his father's legacy alive by running the restaurant exactly like his father did, like a family dining room. Bonton was a place where you could get good food and have good conversation, and according to one member of the, the Breakfast Club, a group of people who had been eating breakfast there for decades, it's a place where they figured out how to solve the world's problems if anyone would only listen. Lisa and I often say that. If they right. just listen to us. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Sam Zambellis suddenly passed away in 2008, and the restaurant closed a few for a few years. In 2011, the Bonton Cafe was reopened by Mac Edwards, a previous owner of McEwen's. And we have eaten at McEwen's yes. uh, many times, and we love it. They have this amazing duck confit enchilada. Is that how you say it? <laughs> yeah, you don't have to get all French with the confit. Okay, but, uh, <laughs> but they're having renovations right now, so um, hopefully it'll open soon and we yeah. can go back. Yes. But anyway, continue. This time, Edwards added dinner to the menu. According to Edwards, breakfast will be nice and sunny, lunch is all business, and dinner will have the lights turned down low for a sexy vibe. Ooh, <laughs> you, can get a <laughs> you can get a nice, inexpensive dinner, but also high-quality spirits. He also wanted to support local community by providing a farm-to-table philosophy, buying as much as he could from local vendors. Currently, the Bonton Cafe is is, uh, is doing private events and catering. I'm assuming that's due to the pandemic. Probably so. And uh, Amro, where I work, uh, actually hosted a back-to-school party there once, and they have two spaces for rent. Upstairs has a more vintage diner feel. Downstairs has a more speakeasy feel. And uh, when it does open up for regular dining, we'll have to go since I've not ever been. All right. Next up is the actual oldest still operating restaurant in Memphis. Uh, this also surprised me because I had heard it was another restaurant, uh, but we'll get to that one later. The Little Tea Shop was opened in 1918 by Lily Parham and Emily Carpenter. They wanted to have a place for their friends to come and get lunch while they were having an outing downtown. The ladies served finger sandwiches and made change out of a shoebox at the front of the shop. Obviously, at the time, two women owning and running a business was not terribly common. Originally, the shop was located in the basement of the Memphis Cotton Exchange building. While the men were upstairs conducting business, their wives could shop downtown and then come in for a light snack and socializing before heading home to do whatever wives of wealthy cotton traders did. <laughs> uh, 1935, the shop was relocated to its current location. It is said that there was no disruption to the service either. After closing time one day, the employees packed up everything and moved it down the street. They were serving lunch the next day like nothing had ever happened. And the ladies sold their shop in 1946 to an amateur golfer named Vernon Mortimer Bell. And Bell has had quite the legacy in Memphis, turns out. Uh, after purchasing the little tea shop, he opened up the Knickerbocker restaurant in East Memphis and also started the Danvers food chains. Years later, his daughter Sarah opened Mortimer's on Perkins off Sam Cooper, which I've heard is really good. Apparently they got some oysters that are good. <laughs> I wouldn't know about that, but... Uh, he also he along with Danny Thomas helped found what was to become the FedEx St. Jude Golf Classic, and uh, just to throw in some other trivia, his son Chris was a founding member of the band Big Star. Yay! Yeah. yeah. And during the years that Bell owned it, the restaurant turned into a place where business people went to dine. It's where probably every city changing idea was hashed out over lunch. The little tea shop was another eatery where everyone felt welcome, like they were coming home for dinner. Former Mayor Wharton once said that it was a level playing field. Everyone had respect for one another. You hung up your differences at the door when you came in, and everyone was the same. Eventually, Bell sold the restaurant to his daughter, Sarah, who ran it for a few years before selling it to the Lux in 1982. And the story of the Lux is really a story of the American dream. Uh, Sue Hare Maher, a Palestinian immigrant, was working at La Baguette when she met James Lux, a local businessman. And apparently impressed by her restaurant business skills, he asked her to run the new cafe that he had just purchased, and he subsequently asked her to be his wife. <laughs> so together they ran the little tea shop until he passed away in 2012. 
And Sue Hare created a welcoming and inclusive environment with amazing Southern comfort foods. And to this day, you'll be hard-pressed to find someone who hasn't eaten at the Little Tea Shop. From judges, lawyers, politicians, businessmen, musicians, and tourists, everyone who is anyone has stopped in to have some cornbread sticks with Miss Sue. And she is a true Memphian at heart. When asked how she, a Muslim Palestinian immigrant, learned how to make catfish and greens, she quickly stated that she was from South Jerusalem. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. You'll often find her donning her Grizzlies cap and running from table to table, greeting folks like your grandma would when you come see her for lunch. Family photos and Memphis memorabilia are plastered on the walls. Miss Sue says that the place is not a restaurant. It's a home away from home. It's where her friends meet. You feel like you're not rushed to hurry up and eat and then leave. It's home. The little tea shop is currently closed due to the pandemic, but hopefully soon Miss Sue will be able to reopen and invite her family members back for lunch. Yeah. That being said, the two of us have actually not eaten there. Nope. It's shameful. Mm, I know, I know. But when she feels it's safe to reopen, I promise we'll play hooky from work one day and go eat there. Most definitely. Yes. Work, you did not hear that. Nope, not at all. Mm -mm. Now to the restaurant I thought was the oldest Memphis eatery, the Arcade. And it missed the date by probably less than a year. Uh, But technically, they are the oldest serving food for more than three hours a day restaurant. Uh, So there's that. We won't steal all their glory. The oldest continuously running restaurant, too. Yes, yes. The arcade opened its doors in 1919. Sparos Zapatos, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, an immigrant from Greece, purchased the Paris Cafe at 540 Main Street and renamed it the Arcade Cafe. Originally, the building was a small, one-story wooden structure with potbelly stoves to cook the food. Because the restaurant was located across the street from a chain station, business was booming. The restaurant was open 24-7 for any and all who wanted or needed a home-cooked meal. In 1925, Zapatos tore down the original structure and built a new one from brick in the Greek Revival style. In the 1950s, Sparrows' son, Harry, took over the business and transformed it into the 50s-style diner you see today. The next two decades were some of the busiest times for the diner. The intersection of Union and G.E. Patterson was so crowded that there was even a police officer directing traffic 24 hours a day. Elvis became a regular at the restaurant during his time. He was there so often, he even had his own booth. Even today, you can enjoy the King's favorite meal, peanut butter and banana sandwich. In the late 60s and 70s, as we've mentioned before, uh, it was a sad time for downtown Memphis. People were moving to the suburbs and not many businesses survived. The Arcade and Ernestine Hazel's across the street uh, were just a few of the places that still had the notorious Memphis grit and grind mentality, even back then. Uh, 1968, after Dr. King was assassinated, was the first time the restaurants closed its doors in the evening. But the diner continued to serve up breakfast and lunch specials for the patrons willing to venture down to see them. Unfortunately, Sparrows passed away in 1994. The restaurant was sold the following year, but the new owner only managed to keep it open until 1996. The younger generation of the Zapatists couldn't let their legacy come to an end, so Harry Jr. reopened the restaurant in 2002. The diner still serves classic favorites, but has added some new tasty treats to the menu, and their mission is still the same. Make people happy. Oh, and they do. They do. Yeah, it's good (laughs) stuff. Uh, Several movies have also filmed in this historic location. You can find shots of the cafe in movies such as Mystery Train, Great Balls of Fire, The Client, Walk the Line, 21 Grams, Elizabethtown, and The Firm. It also has been featured on the Food Channel and the Travel Network. 
Currently, the restaurant is open seven days a week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m., but it's occasionally open for dinner a few nights a week, too. And I've spent a, a fairly a decent amount of time in the arcade, um, besides just eating their food. Years ago, my friend's band played in the basement, and it would have been in the early 2000s, and it was really cute from what I can remember, and I can't find anywhere on the internet where that was a thing that could have happened, but I am not crazy. <laughs> I know I went to a show there, mm-hmm. and I may have to phone Christy about <laughs> it and see if she remembers, but I know it happened. <laughs> Um, And I've also done trivia nights there. Um, My sister and I played a Love Actually trivia and won best team name with We Hate Uncle Jamie, which is fantastic. Uh, I think we came in second place in the actual trivia game. And uh, we also did Hocus Pocus trivia there, too. I don't remember our team name, so apparently it wasn't that good. And we, I think we came in second place that night, too. Mm. We are solid second placers. <laughs> Except for that uh, time that we've um, got first place in the office trivia. Yeah. Because we're real good we at that. We did that twice, actually. We did do that twice. We had a pretty we, fantastic name both times, actually. We did. One of them was Oki Afterbirth, which was fantastic. <laughs> yes. And the other one was Lee Iacocca and his failed experiment, the DeLorean. They're so good. It's about the most meta office name you can have. It's true, but we we won some shroot bucks. We did. We did. We won shroot bucks. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) back to the arcade. We went to the 100-year celebration back in 2019, and they had numerous menu items for only $1. Yes, and we had delicious breakfast. And let me tell you, the sweet potato pancakes, they mean business. No kidding. Holy smokes. They were so good. They really are. If you've not made a trip to the arcade, what are you waiting for? This is your invitation. Give the oldest cafe in Memphis a try. Yes, please do. Gosh, it's so good. (laughs) All right, last but certainly not least is Memphis's oldest tavern, the Green Beetle. And I know it's really old because Big Daddy used to eat there, and if he were still alive, he'd be almost 106. Uh, So Big Daddy was my daddy's daddy, and he was a young man when he used to go there and hang out. And so I had to ask my dad if he had told him any stories about his days hanging out there. Uh, And this is the story my dad told me. (laughs) So uh, Big Daddy used to work on the river. And he and some friends were drinking and playing cards when a lady came up and asked Big Daddy if he wanted to sleep with her. And he said, no, thank you. He wasn't sleepy, (laughs) which is amazing. The Green Beetle was opened at 325 Main Street in 1939 by an Italian immigrant, Frank Liberto and his wife, Mary. He also opened Frank's Next Door, which was a liquor store. The tavern was a hit with patrons, serving up a delicious burger and good beer that kept everyone happy. Celebrities like Elvis, Hank Williams Sr., and Desi Arnaz would actually hang out there sometimes. For roughly 20 years or so, business thrived. But like every other establishment in the 1960s, the Green Beetle was not spared from the plight of downtown. What was once a respectable place to have good food and drinks became a dive bar. Frank couldn't keep good help, and he decided to sell the business in 1971. But one of the coolest things, I think, that he did was put in the deed that any establishment at 325 Main Street had to be named the Green Beetle. That's pretty cool. Yeah. (laughs) According to his grandson, as to how it got such an interesting name, he said that Frank had always wanted a place called the Green Beetle, which is not a great story, but it's the story, I guess. Yeah. There's no other reason for it, apparently. (laughs) Uh, over the next 40 years, the Beetle changed hands a few times before Frank's grandson decided to buy it and continue his family's legacy. Yeah, in 2011, Josh Huckabee was approached by the building's owner to see if he'd like to purchase the establishment. 
And without hesitation, Huckabee moved back to Memphis. Uh, He had been managing several restaurants at a casino in West Virginia and ready to open the bar. And when Huckabee took over, he wanted to keep the late night feel, but spruce up the place so it was no longer a dive bar. Uh, The front has been opened uh, with big windows, and the floor space was opened to by removing some of the booths and bringing in tables. And there was also a long bar along one side that was replaced with bar tables and stools. And he's kept some of the original aspects of the bar, though. There's leatherwork on the walls and original signage with vintage foods and prices still kept intact. And the Big Frank Burger and Grandma's Lasagnas are staples on the menu, as well as other Italian-inspired Southern fare and his sister's uh, homemade cake. Yum. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) A new sign hangs at the Green Beetle, which has become their new motto. Have a beer here. Your grandfather did. It is true. He did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not sure if mine did or not. He didn't drink much beer, but. No. Well, that's okay. That's right. You can claim Big Daddy. Yeah. Okay. All right, so true to our nature, I found an article about how the oldest tavern in Memphis also has a ghost story of its own, and I can't help it. I don't (laughs) seek them out. They just find me. (laughs) A paranormal investigation was set up at the bar, and the investigators say they made contact with the spirit of a charming, handsome, lively, spirited, gray-haired man. Is this the spirit of Josh's grandfather, Frank? Mm, Maybe. Mm. I'm sure he's more than ecstatic that his grandson has revitalized the once-beloved restaurant. They also said there's the spirit of a lady in the bar. They believe she is displeased with all the loud music. (laughs) The bar goes through a lot of wine glasses because apparently whenever she visits, the glasses will fly off the shelves and break. Uh, The investigators believe the spirit is of a lady who lived in the apartment upstairs who died from hitting her head. Probably trying to get them to quiet down. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, So not terribly nefarious spirits, just a bit spirited. Just spirited. Spirited spirits. Yes. All right, so going back to the trivia thing. Um... We did Harry Potter trivia there once. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and I don't remember our name either, but it was pretty good, I think. Uh, we were with some clever folks that night. And also, I donned my super awesome green cloak because, of course, I have one of those. <laughs> Why not? Why not? And I rocked my Slytherin tie and suspenders. I mean, I'm really a Ravenclaw, but I don't have a blue cloak. So what are you going to do? I don't know. Uh, I do have a Ravenclaw get up, so don't panic. <laughs> <laughs> No one was. They weren't. <laughs> um, for all you listeners out there, we're big Harry Potter fans, and uh, I can go on and on about the outfits I have characters of that I've dressed up as. <laughs> that could take a while. Yeah. Um, also, a side note, while the Green Beetle is now once again owned by a member of the Liberto family, the slot next door, which was the liquor store, uh, is not. It was at some point turned into a corner store. I bought a drink there once. Um, but now it is Bedrock Eats and Sweets. And this market and cafe is owned by an acquaintance of mine, Brandy Martyr. And she makes amazing healthy foods and desserts. And she is legit. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Saturdays are Waffle Mania days. And her creations are unfathomable and delicious. <laughs> uh, so, Okay. Enough about that, because I'm making myself super hungry, and I now want a waffle. So, <laughs> I always yes. want a waffle. I know. So uh, uh, give them a try, and, and the Green Beetle, too. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, we hope you enjoyed listening to the stories we've unearthed. We hope they have made you as equally hungry as they have made us. Yes. Uh, well, I mean, not unless it's an inappropriate time to eat, but, you know, you decide. That's it's right. up to you. It's, it's free world. Uh, We hope you also get to go try out these Memphis staples. They've survived 100 years, so they must be pretty good. I think so. Don't forget to listen to our next episode in two weeks on your favorite podcast listening app. And also, if you get a chance, we'd like for you to like and subscribe 
Leave us a review, please, please and please. share us on social media. It really, really helps in it a big does. way. It does. All the shares. Yes. We love shares. Check out our website at unearthmemphis.com, Instagram at unearthmemphis, Facebook at facebook.com slash unearth901, Twitter at unearth901, or drop us an email at unearthmemphis at gmail.com. We love to hear from everyone. Questions, comments, suggestions, corrections, flattery, <laughs> chatter, or flattery. Chatter or flattery. Flattery's good. Yes. Um, yeah. We, uh, it's all appreciated and enjoyed anyway. Um, it very can, much is. We get real excited. I had a, a friend of mine from middle school, high school, all the years, like send me a message that said that uh, he was listening to it. It just delighted him, which made me super excited. Yeah, that's nice. Of <laughs> anyway, uh, this is our disclaimer. We are not historians. We are simply two people who are interested in Memphis history. We have done research and are trying to provide accurate history as best we can. There is a possibility that some of these statements are incorrect, but we have tried to verify all the info so that we are not putting out any untrue info. To the best of our knowledge, what we are saying is correct, but let us know if you have any things to add or correct. In the show notes, you will find links to the articles uh, we used in book titles, etc. to gather our information. I still think we need the Hot Wheels. The Microman. Yeah. Maybe one day when we Maybe. get famous. Well, if people share this enough and then we get alive sponsored. still? That was the 80s. I don't know. Oh, well. Anyway. <laughs> well, thanks for listening, everybody. Yes, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Unearthed Memphis is written, produced, and engineered by Alan Compton and Tara Ingram. The music was written, performed, and recorded by Donnie Wayne Smith and Alan Compton. 